calling all lovers of mystery and fans of a good story. If you haven't already heard me talk about June's journey, you're in for a treat. It's time to don your detective hat in this free hidden object mobile game that delves into the captivating journey of June Parker, a self-proclaimed detective on a quest to unravel the mystery surrounding her sister's untimely death. In June's journey, you get to play as June, deciphering clues and unveiling secret plots within thousands of beautifully illustrated scenes. And did I mention it's set in the glitzy 1920s? New chapters are added weekly, so you will never run out of new thrills to uncover, and you can also personalize and decorate your very own Orchid Island where the story takes place. How sharp are your detective skills? Find out when you download June's Journey on your Android or iOS device, or play online via Facebook games. Your detective journey awaits. Contained herein are the heresies of Radolf Buntwine, erstwhile monk-turned-traveling medical investigator. Join me as I uncover the blasphemous truth of a plague-ridden world, that ours is not a loving god, and we are not its favored children. The Heresies of Radolf Buntwine, coming January 2nd, wherever podcasts are available. Hey there, I'm Perry Carpenter, one of the hosts of the Digital Folklore Podcast. And welcome to our third installment of Digital Folklore Unplugged. These unplugged episodes are all about stripping away all of the fancy production elements and bells and whistles that we put in our normal episodes so that we can give you access to the raw or only slightly edited interviews with our folklore experts. On today's episode, my co-host Mason and I sit down with Mark Muncy. I'm Mark Muncy. Mark is the author of a series of books focused around urban legends and folklore in the Florida area. He's the author of Eerie Florida, Eerie Appalachia, Creepy Florida, and Freaky Florida. There's definitely a Florida influence there. He also hosts a podcast called Eerie Travels. It's a weekly show where he and his co-host, Erica Lance, explore monsters, legends, history, and mysteries. And in each episode, they invite you to explore destinations for your own Eerie Travels. And just remember, if you're one of our Patreon supporters, you get access to these interviews a few days before their general release. Okay, let's get Unplugged. I'm Mark Muncy. I am the author of the best-selling Erie, Florida book series from History Press. I also have written recently Erie, Appalachia, also on its way to uh, the, 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 the bestseller list, hopefully. But uh, I've, I've been on numerous TV shows, uh, documentaries, um, mostly famous for about a minute and 30 seconds of Ancient Aliens, and uh, about uh, three and a half minutes of Finding Bigfoot. But you can find me on Road Trips of Ripley's, Expedition X, and a bunch of other shows. Most famously, The Curse of Robert the Doll on Discovery Channel's Shocktober documentary this fall. And more to come, but those pesky NDAs, you know, you got to love those. Tell us how you got into this. What drew you to it? And how did you develop the knowledge base that made you an expert enough to where you would be providing input to all these things? Well, it started uh, long, long ago in a galaxy far, far away because I fell in love with Star Wars. No, uh, but that was about the same time period. I was six or seven years old. Uh, my family grew up 
uh, in uh, nor- you know, the Midwest, Ohio, but our home was Kentucky. And uh, so we would go to this little rural farm on the West Virginia, Kentucky, Ohio border, right at that tri-state corner. And uh, we had a farm there and grew up there, going there weekends and learning about the local lore and ghost stories and the local monster, which was Mm. the dumbest thing ever. It was this legendary beast with the head of a man, the body of a cow or a big cat and a wooden leg. And because nobody can have nice things, we called it the bench leg. You know, the bench leg of Gobel Ridge. I know it sounds like something out of South Park, right? The bench and leg? The bench leg of Gobel Ridge. And he would jump from tree to tree. So this cow thing would With jump from cow tree body. to tree. Wow. Uh, and then it would, if you were a bad person, it would knock you off your horse with its wooden leg, It's which my dad lovingly called its whoop-ass stick, you know, which you know, <laughs> would hit you. And now being a kid growing up, Star Wars is my life. I loved going out there because it was dark sky territory. So I'd go out there to watch the skies. I was looking for close encounters. I was looking for, you know, UFOs and hearing ghost stories was always fun. Um, but, you know, I was like, man, stupid creature, this bench like, but as I grew up, every single family member had some story of when they saw the thing or something weird had happened with it. Um, and, um, you know, my dad talked about one time where he was, there were extra cattle on the farm when it was still a working farm. And he went around one side of a bush and my uncle went around the other side of the bush and then it disappeared on them. And so they, oh, that was their bench leg encounter. Um, yeah, nothing really scary, but just odd. Um, and then one day I'm out in the woods late at night. The family is up at the big trailer and I'm down looking for stars and something unusual happened. And I don't know how to explain it. Just one of the horses in the field ran by something spooked it. And then the other horse ran by and I'm like, okay, so that's both horses. You know, maybe a bear or a dog or, you know, something that I wasn't expecting, you know, and then I hear more hoofs and more noise. And I'm like, what is going on? There's nobody else here. And I'm realizing I have a BB gun that is not going to do me much good if it's a bear. And, um, and I saw this strange thing. I'm not going to say it had a wooden leg, but it had a weird head and it ran through the woods and kind of glowy. I don't know what I saw. I can't explain it, but I had a story to tell yeah. and that drew me in. And of course, from there led to in search of and, and all the books that I could grab at every school library and scholastic book fair on Bermuda triangle ghosts, monsters. And you know, that was the, the lifelong fascination. And then um, was a bit of a writer in the 80s, mostly science fiction, fantasy, and um, a little bit of horror just because. And then um, became a dad and put away childish things. <laughs> but I still love that stuff, still collected it. And then after a few years, I realized, hey, I can be a kid. I've, I've got, I'm, yeah. you know, and so we started running our own haunted house in Florida because I couldn't afford to take my family to horror nights or Hall scream or anything. So we built our own in my backyard, but the twist was we based it on local lore and legend. So instead of having a werewolf jump out at you, we had the skunk ape jump out at you and, you know, and we, we loved that stuff and we'd push those stories on our website to grow them. 
but as people were going through the haunted house, they didn't care. It was just some monster jumped out of them, scared them. But there were fans who really liked the lore, and it was me writing my stories again. And 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 then we put in a little email box. Hey, got a creepy story? Let me know. I want to put it in the haunted house. Now, to give you a timeline, this was an AOL website or a GeoCities website with an AOL address. So that'll give you the timeline <laughs> of internet here. Um, so early 90s, you know, mid 90s. And from there, it blew up. We we were doing that for two almost two decades. And it just kept getting bigger and bigger. We had 10,000 people a weekend going through my backyard. Wow. And uh, wow. until, you know, so the city of St. Pete finally shut us down. We were a little too successful. And uh, it was all for charity, but, you know, we understood. But then I had all those stories and I'm like, what do I do with them? And well, now my kids are grown and I can, you know, start publishing these. And that's what led to Erie, Florida. And then we went to every location. We legend tripped. We went to absolutely every location on our list of things because uh, we want to make sure they were still there. Yeah. You know, a lot of them have been bulldozed. A lot of them were private property and you couldn't go in. So it's like, oh, well, we're not going to write about that. And when that hit the bestseller list, suddenly the publisher's like, oh, remember you said you had other stories? We're like, oh, yeah, we got you. So nice. And that's, that's 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 how that's how it all began. And that's where it's still going, which is crazy. So this all started with an encounter with the bench leg. Was it bench leg? The, the bench leg of Gobel Ridge. The bench leg of Gobel Ridge in your own backyard. In our own backyard in Kentucky. Yep. And it was uh, just a. Uh, Strange. And like I said, I don't like to say it was a cryptid. I don't like to say it was a ghost. Uh, it was something I don't understand. It was a, and, and that's, those are words I try to avoid in my books. Uh, Shirley Jackson, I think did it best where she called it preternatural mm. stuff. We don't understand yet. It's the yeah. stuff we might someday, you know, and you know, for a long time, people didn't understand plate tectonics. It's, you know, you know, little Jimmy said, hey, look, Africa misses with South America. And they're like, oh, that's funny, Jimmy. You know, you know, but then later on we figured it out. Oh, they were together and we, you know, we shifted. That's this is the same sort of thing. At, at some point, we're going to understand this stuff. We just don't yet. So with um, and not to get overly stuck on bench leg, but I got <laughs> questions about bench leg. Uh, first of all, does does bench leg walk on two legs or is or is it? Walk on four it legs. Is, it is a four-legged creature. Uh, the The legend was that it was a spirit of vengeance and looked for evil people. So mm. after I'd done a few Florida books, we'll we'll go straight to bench leg here because I love him. He's my yeah. he's my family pet. Well, so. And is there an utter? Need no, to know. No utter. Okay. No utter. More like the the one I saw looked like uh, a panther, Ooh. which you know are not common in Kentucky and not around in Kentucky. You yeah. know, uh, maybe a bobcat, but this was not a bobcat. And the head had some sort of strange kind of glowing about it. Mm. Um, but what we did was, as I dig into these legends and these histories, I love finding out where they really come from. Yeah, You know, it's 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 like, oh, you hear the legend of many lights in St. Petersburg. Digging into that, you find out the real story is so much scarier. We'll get into that in a minute. But the bench leg, I found the origin story, which I had never known. And it was a man walking along that ridge in the late 1700s, early 1800s, so early days of Kentucky. Um, and he was a panhandler. And he would, uh, you know, fix tin. He was like a tinker. Fix your pans, fix your plates, sell stuff and trade you stuff. Well, a group of bandits decided to rob him because they figured he'd have some money. 
and they and he had his little ox cart and they murdered him and he fought back with a big stick and then to hide the crime they killed his cow and buried him under the cow and so thus this spirit of vengeance with the mix of the cow the wooden stick and and the man's head you know is that the origin story of this. It's definitely the comic book version. If I was going to write one or the Hollywood movie version. Yeah. Yeah. That's super interesting. And that's what we find. A lot of these folk tales is like, don't go down that road. There's bad, bad thing happened there. You know, don't go into that creepy old building. Somebody was murdered there. It may be haunted. It was protect us from the dark, you know, and that's what this story was is protect us from the dark, but people are seeing things. People are experiencing things. I have family members who have never lied about a thing in their life. We'll talk about the bench light. And, you know, and, uh, you know, and then, you know, they'll, they are, then there's the other side of the family that it is, there is no such thing as ghosts. There's no such thing as aliens. It's, you know, you know, the Bible and everything. And, you know, if you don't believe that you're, you know, but they will talk about the bench leg and the time they saw it or, you know, right. What? I'm a, I'm, I'm curious uh, on the, on the legend tripping aspect of it, especially having collected all of these like local stories and then to go to those places and see them. Um, I'm curious about legend tripping in general. Cause it's something I've never done. I went once to the Hoosack tunnel in mass, but that's not a place you're technically supposed to be. Um, yeah. uh, which I imagine that might be the case, but like what, what was the value? Cause you went with all of these stories you had collected. And so you had like a lot more background than just like a teenager being like, I hear this is scary. I want to go see yeah, it. And that's, and that was, you know, like I said, when I first started doing this, it was still early days. Creepy pasta was still early days and all that. Uh, but one of the what started it all for us was the uh, the the devil's chair in Casadega, which is this place you're supposed to go visit. Uh, Casadega is an amazing town anyway in Florida. There's a reason Tom Petty wrote a song about it. It's it's where the Twilight Zone meets Mayberry. It's it's crazy. It's the town was founded by psychics. Uh, it was, uh, this guy was drawn there by his spirit guide who told him to build this town and, uh, invite only psychics there. And, um, and he did, and, uh, and he built this, this community and people there now it's, it actually has more psychics and witches per capita than Salem, uh, oh. in this little town in Florida. But that's because there's only like a hundred people in the town. Uh, <laughs> but there's this legendary chair there in the cemetery. And if you go there and sit at this chair at midnight, the devil himself will come for you. Uh, and, um, and then if you ask anybody in Casadega about it for the longest time, Casadega is like, Nope, no cemetery in Casadega. There is no devil's chair. What are you talking about? Mm. And they were, you know, distancing themselves from that dark side of history. There's no ghosts in Casadega. There's no anything like that in Casadega. They they were trying to get rid of all that. And and then, you know, you start researching it and you're like, but everybody talks about it. Well, yeah, it's not in Casadega. It's in Lake Helen right next to Casadega. And it's called the Casadega Lake Helen Cemetery. You know, Uh that's how they get away with it. But, you know, the legend is just so specific. Sit in the chair at midnight. And then you go there and there's like five chairs and they're all, you know, morning chairs built out of brick. And um, now if you do go there at midnight, you will be visited by a dark presence. That dark presence is called the police because it is (laughs) private property and it is closed after sunset. So 
because so many people go there to do this legend tripping. So the legend morphs in around the late 1980s, thanks to the great Charlie Carlson, uh, who the late great Charlie Carlson, who wrote Weird Florida, one of my mentors and uh, you know and role models, um, the master of weird himself, and he wrote about the Devil's Chair, and so that kind of blew up Casadega, and um, everybody coming for that, and so they were even more. It doesn't exist. Get away from us. Um, but the legend changed because they started fencing off the cemetery and the sheriff actually moved right next door to the cemetery. So he's keeping an eye on it. Um, oh, no. But the legend became then if you left a beer on the chair in the morning, the beer would be drunk and you would be granted a wish from the devil. Oh, nice. Um, I'm sure the sheriff liked the free beer anyway. And that's 100 <laughs> percent. Yeah, yeah. I, I guarantee you he had something to do with that uh, with that version of the legend. But you do the research on it. And you find out, okay, the devil didn't build the chair. It's a morning chair. They were common in the 1800s, uh, especially in Florida, because it's hot. And we want to have a chair to go visit your family. And you, you you build this little brick chair. And then, you know, the other thing people always say about it is, well, on the hottest days of the year in Florida, you can sit on a chair and it'll still be cool to the touch. Well, there's a reason we build chimneys out of brick. They dissipate heat. You know, mm-hmm. <laughs> so it's... So you legend trip this, yes, you can go leave a beer, whatever, just be kind, knowing it is a family plot, the family is still around, this is not some abandoned cemetery, um, be respectful for those around. So that's that's what I say. What do you think the the appeal is in it? Like, what is the thing that would draw you to do it? Is it to participate in the legends, or do you find that you, like, learn more from actually being there? Or, like, what is the what is the call? I think the call is to find out if there's something beyond, you know, if there is that next thing is the, to find out what we don't understand. Is there, are there ghosts? Are there Bigfoot? Are there, you know, are there sea monsters? Are there UFOs? You know, it's, it's, you know, some of the stuff, like I said, when I was growing up in the seventies, this was, you know, Leonard Nimoy was the only guy who talked about this, you know, and uh, you know, we might get Carl Sagan to give a passing thing about it. Right. But, you know, now we've got congressional hearings on UAPs and, you know, and, and every channel, Discovery Channel, History Channel, Travel Channel, they don't show history, travel or discovery. They show ghost adventures and, you know, and, and UFO, ancient aliens. And, you know, I'm the guy who's on a bunch of them. And even I go, OK, hang on. That's out of context. You, I edited <laughs> I did a two hour interview with some German talk show and you edited that to a minute and 30 seconds. So, you know. <laughs> Just know that those are TV gang. That's all you got to know. Those are entertainment. So, yeah. So I'm, I'm wondering if with legend tripping, there's, there's different motivations for different age groups. Like if you're, you know, 13 to maybe 17 and you go, or even a little bit older than that legend tripping, it might be because you see it as a rite of passage and you're wanting to show yourself as, you know, fearless in front of your friends or to, um, to go with a date and be in a scary situation um, and have all, you know, all the endorphins and everything else that go with that. But as you get a little bit older, you're kind of you're asking those bigger questions that you're asking with that is like, is there something that is connected to this that I, you know, is bigger than the world that we typically think about? 
Or um, is there something interesting about history that I can learn about this that's going to tell us a little bit more about ourselves uh, as well? Do you, do you see those breakups or do you talk to those different age groups and hear their motivations? 100%. Once the books hit, I started getting more and more emails about, well, what, you know, have you been to this place? You know, do you know anything about this place? Because, you know, I have a story about this place and, you know, I, I saw something weird here. And, and that's my big thing is please, 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 if you see something, say something, document mm-hmm. it, tell somebody, because that's how we build these databases. That's how we find, okay, you, you saw something, you really did see something or, you know, oh, that was, 10 states saw the same fireball. Okay, it was a meteor. And we we followed the trail and we figured out where it landed. But that's still cool. You know, you know, how many people saw that fireball? You know, and uh yeah. um, but that's how we also prove, you know, crazy Uncle Joe, who saw Bigfoot when he was in the you know in the 1960s. Oh, 16 people saw it in the same area. It may have been a guy in a suit, but we got 16 other witnesses, so crazy uncle Joe wasn't so crazy. You know, and that's yeah. And then how do we find these ghosts? You know, you know, how do we find their stories? And with me, with the new book, it was, you know, Appalachia. So it was, it was going into these hollers and getting these monsters like the bench leg. I wanted more bench legs. I knew there were more out there. I, you know, Jersey devils that hadn't popped, mothmans that hadn't popped. And I wanted those stories. And the Mimas and Peepaws are dying off. So this yeah. is folklore that we are losing at an alarming rate. And not all of it's getting put into creepypasta and SCP and all that. And it's a shame because it that would be a good repository for it. But I, I like to think that, you know, museums and other things would be good, too. So more of our interview with Mark Muncy after this. Hey, listeners, if you're like me and enjoy escaping to a real movie theater, then Regal Unlimited just makes sense. It's the all-you-can-watch movie subscription pass that pays for itself in just two visits. You can see any standard 2D movie anytime with no blackout dates or restrictions. And your membership lets you get into premium format shows like IMAX and 4DX at a reduced cost. Plus, you'll save 10% on all non-alcoholic concessions. Regal Unlimited. It's the all-you-can-watch movie subscription pass that pays for itself in just two visits. So, if you're planning on seeing a couple movies this month, join Regal Unlimited. Now is the best time as summer's coming up. Sign up now in the Regal app or on the website at regmovies.com unlimited. And be sure to use the code FOLKLORE24 to get 10% off a three-month subscription. Hey there, this is Justin Bartha. I made a funny new podcast, King of the Egg Cream. It has the greatest cast in the history of podcasts with actors like Louis Black. I'm torn by my feelings for two women. Bobby Cannavale. You can eat it, or if someone hits you, you can put it on your cut. Melanie Linsky. I wonder what these marvelous things are that look just like boiled chicken feet. Jason Ritter. I can break things and pick locks and kill people. Michael Stuhlbarg. The whole point is to inspire people that they should make themselves better. Ari Grainer. No, don't whet its appetite. What are you, an idiot? Me, Justin Bartha. That's not just any egg cream, that's a Lemke's special. And all narrated by the hilarious Richard Kind. This is the story of Harry Dalowitz. And how he rose from nothing to become New York's King of the Egg Cream. So if you like funny true stories, come listen to King of the Egg Cream, available wherever you get your podcasts. 
welcome back. You know, there's a tri-legged stool of cybersecurity, which is you're thinking about confidentiality, integrity, and availability of information. Um, when it's, when we're talking about folklore, the confidentiality piece isn't really needed, but you do think about integrity of the information. Is it, is it being changed? Is it being you know malformed or is it being preserved well? And then availability of the information. Have we lost this forever or are we able to capture it and archive it and make sure that it's um, there for future generations? Um, I'm wondering if you've had experiences like where there's a, a little bit of a of a taste of um, a legend or something that you wanted to look at. And as you started to untangle it, you've seen how it's changed or people have intentionally changed that to maybe you know create a new legend out of an old one or maybe try to delete a legend because they thought it was shameful for their family or something. Have, have you run across those weird permutations? Oh, quite a bit. Probably one of the most famous that we came across in the early days was um, there's a monster in Tampa that was on a trestle bridge. And uh, it's just called the Tampa Trestle Monster. For some reason, it was called the Nebraska Avenue Trestle Monster, even though it's not anywhere on Nebraska <laughs> Avenue. Um, but um, this creature was basically, it's right near a school. And this bridge goes over the Hillsborough River and then goes over this school. And, and it's a trestle bridge. It's a train bridge. And you're not supposed to go on it because trains go on it. And um, kids found that they could cut across that bridge and save 10 minutes from having to walk out to the road back across and then back across. So they would go across this road. But the story was that there was this body that you would see out on the bridge. And it looked like a guy in a suit. And he would call for help, 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 help. And then you would get out on the bridge to go help him. And suddenly it would rise up like a sea spider using the body like an angler fish would use it. Oh. And you had you were either going to get eaten by this creature or you could jump into the water and save yourself, maybe, but you might die. So now this is not the nicest area of Tampa. There is a lot of missing people and a lot of kids suicide off that bridge. A couple of kids have been hit by the train. So, you know, not a pleasant experience. But what happens is creepypasta comes up. And now we had used this monster in our haunted house uh, that we had based on local legends, uh, Hellview Cemetery. So one of our monsters was the Tampa Trestle Monster, and it was a guy in a suit with creepy spider legs. And one day, this kid comes up to me and goes, I'm so glad you guys put Slender Man in your house. And I'm like, who? <laughs> I had never heard of Slender Man. This was before he popped. And um, before Creepypasta, I'd e I didn't even hear about Creepypasta. And then they were talking about another ghost in our haunt that was another one that was on there. And what we found out was our website, our old GeoCities website, people were copying and pasting some of our stories onto oh, Creepypasta. Nice. As, and and uh, I think it was Reddit No Sleep was big at the time. That was that was yep. the one I found them first. But then you go into the Creepypasta website and you look up Slenderman. And early days, he's a Photoshop contest monster. He's just literally a guy in a suit. But then suddenly there's all these entries, you know, because it's Wikipedia style. And all the edits yep. came from Tampa Bay. And they were kids from that school or possibly from people who visited our haunted house who knew the legend and edited it into that. So suddenly the guy and suddenly Slender Man has tentacles or spider legs, depending on the version. And so there's, you know, a, and instead of, oh, it happened in the Pacific Northwest, it happened right here. 
you know, that sort of thing. And, you know, we get That's that a lot with legends too. When you, when you do chase a legend, you, you know, you'll be like, Oh, this takes place here. And you find out, oh, that's just a Boy Scout camp. So it took place somewhere near there, but that's where they always tell the story. <laughs> right. So that 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 little note about Slenderman is interesting. So that you you actually found edits, a lot of edits from Tampa specifically that began to add tentacles to the physicality of Slenderman. And then suddenly all his photoshops and artist drawings have tentacles and smoke legs. Yeah. And, you know, depending on the thing. And you can you can literally clock it to Tampa entries. So, which was amazing. In Interesting. Those days. Yeah. Cause I think a lot of people, um, clock it back to like the marble Hornets YouTube series, but maybe which they were Tampa guys. Oh, they were Tampa guys. Were those people from Tampa? They're Tampa, Orlando. Yeah. You're kidding me. Nope. Well, that's funny. So, so the trestle bridge monster, uh, informed if not like directly, cause obviously the lore of it is completely different, but the yeah. appearance and physicality yeah, marble Hornets did their own thing with it, but that's, uh, but I, I'm sure they heard it too from somebody in the area. So it predates them by a little bit. So I had assumed that it was more of a Lovecraftian type of influence. Right. That's what they but, went yeah, for. And they were cool. they were really good filmmakers. That's what really built that lore up. So they don't yeah. get enough credit for that at all. So But that Lovecraftian influence could also easily have bled into the Trestle monster too, right? Yeah, I, that's I, a I think it's recent. a very exactly. incestuous type of uh type yeah. of thing with all that is Yeah, it goes back to a potential train crash during when the uh Tampa Electric Dam was sabotaged. Uh and uh and it was uh there was flooding all over South Tampa in the nineteen twenties, uh late nineteen twenties. And that was um the same thing, the Sulphur Springs Tower was with you know called Suicide Tower because that same flooding wiped out Maeve's arcade, the businesses there and height of the great depression. A lot of guys jumped to their death off that tower. So, wow. Wow. Tampa triangle, baby. Yeah. Right. <laughs> so, so the initial gathering of all the stories for your haunted house was just from local people submitting them. Yeah. And ones I discover on my own, you know, just. That was, listening. that was going to be my, my follow up was like, yeah, because local legends particularly are, I feel like interesting to uncover how does how do you usually look for them and do you feel like have you come anywhere close to exhausting local florida ones or do you just niche down and down and down into smaller and smaller areas oh no it's not even smaller and smaller sometimes it's bigger and bigger you know it's it's like well, how did i miss this one you know and stuff like that so um the i think the one that when we figured out what we were going to do for erie florida was because uh, at first we were just going to publish the stories like we had we had spooked them up for the website for Hellview. They were the the Stephen King versions. It would be all right. This is how it happened, but let's make it creepier. Well, you know, we'll turn Madame Moore, this infamous bordello owner from Ybor City, into a vampire, and we'll make it from dusk till dawn. Versus the Rough Riders. Come on, when Teddy Roosevelt orders your bordello burned down, how do you not turn that into from dusk till dawn, right? Uh, you know. Um, the problem is now some of that is like, if you go to research Madame Orr and the Orr house, you find our stuff from our old haunted house. You can't find the original historical stuff because our stuff blew up and that, you know, that is just lost to history. Overshadowed um, it. Yeah. But, um, one of the legends we had always done was, uh, there was one called mini lights and it was in Tampa Bay. And if you said mini lights three times, this, um, strange little lights would come and chase you. Okay. That's dumb legend. Uh, no, doesn't make much sense, but uh, you always in threes. You got to mock the Trinity. You know, that's how these things work. But, Sounds like will of the wisp kind of thing. 
Exactly. Like Will of the Wisps, they would chase you, and if they touched you, it would singe your flesh, but not you know do anything terrible. But um, but so I I remember building because I was big into Halloween building props and stuff. Uh, before I got back into the you know the legends were just kind of how the the means to the end. So I made a little gyroscope thing with three little LED lights that would chase you, you know, that would just blend around the background. I knew nice. nobody knew what the hell it was, but for me, it was, it was important. Um, and some people would go, Oh, I love you. Put mini lights in. I was like, yeah, great. But then as we were doing Erie, Florida, you know, suddenly I'm like, all right, now I need to get behind the legends. I need to find out the history behind this. And I started asking people and on the North side of town, people would be like, Oh, it's, you know, you say it three times, these little lights will chase you. But on the south side of town, it turned into a completely different version of the legend. And it was, you know, and first off, it was very much a, you know, don't go messing with mini lights. You know, mini lights will get yeah. you. And then you find out, oh, her name's not mini lights. It's mini lightning. And she's the voodoo queen of St. Petersburg. And it's like, oh, what? nice. And she summons okay. the lightning. And that's why we have so much thunderstorms. And and she hates Marie Laveau in New Orleans. So she sends all the hurricanes <laughs> to New Orleans. That's why they steer away from Tampa Bay. And it's like one of the many legends of why storms dodge Tampa Bay. But it was it was cool. And I'm like, all right, that's neat. But then there was a dark side to it. But if you're if if she wants, if you piss her off, she will send her gator boys to steal your children. So Ooh. she has little gator men. That will come out and steal your children. They'll come out of the alligators in the sewers and they'll come out. And so now right. it's this other, what a layered story. Yeah. And where does that come from? So we start digging and digging as we did. And um, I thought, you know, mini light sounds an awful light, like Mennonite. And there's, it was a strong mm. Mennonite community, particularly in Gibsonton, you know, across the Bay, which, you know, has became the circus town, you know, where all the freak show folks all the summered and everything for ringling for their South. And I'm like, Hmm, maybe. And I read about a Mennonite boarding house that burned down that had circus folk in it. Well, maybe they had alligator skin or something, you know, maybe that's where this legend comes from. And it just migrated across the Bay. Like we were thinking. Um, but then, you know, really couldn't figure it out. And, uh, we sadly had a due date. So we went to press you know, with, with the various versions saying, hey, if anybody has an idea, we'd love to hear it. And then we were working on our next book because, like I said, that did the bestseller and suddenly the publisher's like, all right, bring me more, bring me more. More. Um, <laughs> and, um, and I was in the St. Pete Museum of History. I was in their archives and I was looking up something else on a completely different story and the answer literally fell in my lap on many lights. Uh, I opened a book. I was looking for other photos and this fan fell out into my lap. And it was like, you know, one of those fans you hold to cool yourself off yeah. at a tourist attraction in the 1930s. And you would cool yourself off holding this fan. And the fan was for an alligator farm in St. Petersburg that is no longer there because alligator farms were big tourist attractions in Florida early days. And St. Pete had one. And one of the th things on it was two small African-American children being chased by alligators. And it said gator bait. And then it all fell into place. Wow. The real history is so much darker. These yeah. alligator farm, this alligator farm would kidnap children from the South side and put them in to entertain tourists to be chased by alligators. So they would actually do really? that. They wow. actually did that. And, and so, so it, it wasn't just a, a 
you know, completely racist bit of propaganda, no. but it was an actual, yeah, they wow. actually did wow. it. So they would, so beware of many lights. The Gator boys will steal your children. It's beware of the men with lights, the Gator boys, they'll steal your children. Oh my so God. So the alligator farm would go out at night and steal kids and to entertain. It really happened. And that is, horrible. yeah, that is, yeah, that got, is gutting. And also, wild how it changed yeah yep and then so 1930s this was still going on and that's you know until they shut mm. down sometime in the early 40s so and it's it's terrible and sometimes these like i said sometimes these legends the the truth is so much worse than you know a voodoo queen with alligator people you know it's right it's that was so terrible and now the city of saint pete Museum of History has a display of that because we discovered it. And, you know, it was, and again, wow. if I hadn't been looking through the right thing. And so if I've done nothing else on this world, that was, that was one of those wonderful things that we discovered and, you know, and yeah. brought to light. And it's, you know, it's terrible, but, but you know, it is an important piece of history and connecting yeah. that to that local legend. And also what a coincidence that that fan happened to be in whatever that freaking book was and fell into your life. Book on houses in South Florida that I was looking for another haunted wow. house history and wow. discovered this. So it's, it's crazy. That is and amazing. That is. And that's, you know, and, and you wonder how many more are out there like that little things like that, that right. somebody just needs to connect, connect the dots on. And if I hadn't been looking into this legend at all, I never even thought about it. I would have just seen that and gone, yeah. oh, that's creepy and terrible. And yeah, you know, cataloged it and thrown it in an archive, you know, but. It's, it's really interesting because there's a lot of descriptions of folklore that talk about uh, a game of telephone, you know, the across yeah, the ages. 100%. And that one's yep. very, very literally that. Yeah, 100%. Uh, and also folklore kind of creating an interesting varnish over or covering over darker truths about our nature. And that's definitely there. I mean, it is looking at one of the darkest parts of history for that region and then turning it into something that potentially becomes a warning for future generations that's but this much broader than that. It's cloaking harm with whimsy, yeah. 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 And it, it goes back to folklore. Don't go in the dark forest. You know, there's wolves, you know, yeah. Little Red Riding Hood. You know, it's the same same stuff. Wow. Yeah, it's, it's just, this is a modern version of that. And it's, and, uh, you know, and, uh, you know, and, uh, you know, for every one of those, then there's the ones that don't make sense. And, and, and the ones that are so insane that you're just like, okay, what the hell is this? You know? And, uh, and then, and then like I said, I do all these events, I do all these appearances, book signings and, uh, stuff. And then people will come up to me and go, Hey, I heard you on this show or X show. And, yeah, and I've got a story for you. I know you're not going to believe it. And I'm like, no, totally hit me. You know, I want, I want to know this. And, uh, and well, it, you know, I know it sounds crazy. It's no, it's fine. Tell me. And, and that's what I keep trying to tell everybody. Please, please, you know, tell your local organizations, reach out to your ghost hunting teams, reach out to your Bigfoot hunting teams, reach out to your UFO teams, or go to MUFON, go to BFRO, the Bigfoot reporting organization. All these other sites are out there for a reason. We want this stuff documented. Or reach out to your favorite local folklore author, uh, you know, and, and get and give right. him the story because he needs to write more books. So it works out. Keep too. these legends so, alive. Yeah. Yeah. I was going to ask you, do you consider yourself a folklorist or a paranormal researcher? Or do you see distinctions in these different categories that maybe other people might put distinctions or in? Or like an archivist of some kind? Yeah, an archivist. I, you know, I think, how, do you, how, do you, how do you describe yourself? 
I, I used to describe myself as a paranormal journalist because it was, okay. it was, I was, I was not going on ghost hunts. I was not going on Bigfoot hunts as an investigator, but I would go with Bigfoot hunting teams on investigations. I would go with paranormal teams on ghost investigations. I would go with UFOs on UFO spotting trips. And uh, I would go with legend trippers as they would go and try to react, you know, reenact some legendary curse to, you know, for bloody bucket yeah. bridge or whatever, you know, let's bring the ghost back. So I would go with them and document their stories. That's what I originally started as. But then as that morphed into the more research part and the more archiving part, especially now with uh, Erie Appalachia, where it was more like, I want to keep these stories alive for generations. So I still want to try to dig and find the history behind them and find the story that started it all. Um, but and, it, and it's cool if I can, you know, narrow down a thing. Um, and, you know, even better if it's got some folklore history or even more ancient. Um, we did a lot on, uh, for, for the new book, we did a lot with uh, native cultures because we were looking into an, an incident in Ohio called the Crosswick Serpent, which is this thing. It's well documented in some newspapers, this giant snake with legs. They don't say dinosaur. They don't say lizard. Mm -hmm. They say snake with legs. And it grabbed a small child and ran up a tree and the whole town comes out to fight it and knocks the tree down and it runs into a cave and then they seal the cave. It's never seen again. But the descriptions are very similar to the Native American uh, underwater panther or Mishapishu, which is a native legend, you know, or but yeah, it's, it's you, you're not really you can't say native legend because that's just their belief. It's the, it's their way of life. It's not folklore. It's not myth. This is, you know, you've got the Thunderbirds in the sky, you've got Mishapishu in the water and you've got the great serpent in the underworld. And that's, that's, that's just the way it is. And Mishapishu had this is a hundred percent, the description of the Crosswick serpent. Uh, and no one ever put those two together. And then you mix that with alligator mound, which is a, a mound in Ohio why would you name a mound after alligators in Ohio? And we realize, oh, that's just, again, racism playing into the cards because it was originally mm. something else. It was probably a Mishapishu mound. And we just called it the alligator mound because the natives would say, oh, it's this great creature that lives in the water and it's got a tail that makes whirlpools and it's, you know, and, it, and it's got scales on its back. And, and we go, oh, that's Panthers don't live underwater. It's, it's got to be an alligator. Right. You just you're calling it wrong. That's what we call it. Oh, okay. And so the natives go, all right. Well, then your word is alligator. Ours is Mishapishu. And uh, so then later on, when they are all driven away or dead, you know, and the next group moves into the area, the tri, you know, the the local settlers go, oh, the people who lived here, they said that was Alligator Mound. They insisted on it. And it's ah. like, no, it was it was Mishapishu, but. The fact that the Crosswick Serpent, all that is all in the same area within a hundred years of each other and a couple hundred years, it's like, okay, there's, you know, there's something there. What is that? And so, you know, is it gone? Probably. Did it chase down into the, you know, the Mammoth Cave system down there is so deep. We don't know how deep it goes. There could be stuff down there we will never know. And mm -hmm. um, that that's what scares me more than anything is going down there and just being lost <laughs> in that underdark for forever god knows how long yeah sorry my cat keeps trying to knock over my trash can well, um, i'm gonna close yeah i'm gonna close the door because now they both just walked out of the room so just give me one second yeah little demons this is 
This is fascinating stuff. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> it's like I've read a few books about this stuff. <laughs> I know, right? right? <laughs> After the break, the conclusion of our interview with Mark Muncy. Welcome back. So, um, I don't know if this is question worthy for an interview, but I am curious because you've you've used the word we a few times when you're saying we're doing research on this. Who is who is the we? Uh, the we is my lovely wife, Carrie Schultz. Um, she started as a good friend and she was my illustrator. And uh, wow. she is she's the talent. I just do the words because these these monsters, they don't pose for anything but blurry photos because they're all such divas. So <laughs> she has to bring them to life. Uh, and she is like the forensic sketch artist for cryptids and ghosts. People come up to her and the, I'll, we'll go back to the original descriptions, the original sightings instead of the modern interpretations that have been telephone tagged, you know, and, but then yeah. we will also try to get the, you know, an actual firsthand witness and talk to them. And that's how we recreate these things. And that's why she sells tons of art on this stuff. Uh, not just in the books, but, um, she, we, when we're at conventions, we were at the Mothman Festival this year. She sold so many prints because people love her Flatwoods monster because it doesn't have arms. Because the uh -huh. original sighting doesn't describe any arms. But when they go on New York television a couple of days later, the original witnesses, they had a sketch artist draw it. And he drew it with arms and because it looks scarier. And now every drawing of the Flatwoods monster has these crazy arms. And of course, that's not any anything at all like the original. Or like Mothman is another one where the original sighting is this muscle bound flying Sasquatch and it's ripping mm. its wing. It's that's caught in barbed wire. People don't talk about that. It's, and it's using muscular arms and muscular hands to do it. Most drawings of the mom and don't give it arms. You know, it's just the wings, that yeah. are, you know, um, and there's certain, you know, and, and of course everybody jokes about the statue because it's got the eight pack and, you know, and the <laughs> very toned butt. So there's the cult of the shiny hiney in Point Pleasant, West Virginia. Uh, but um, you love that. That actually is the physique is kind of close. It's the, you know, it's the mothy stuff because the guy, who, the artist who made that based it on a Frazetta drawing of an alien. But, um, but you go back to those original drawings and it's like, oh, okay. Yeah. He's definitely this muscular thing. So, so that's, that's my partner in crime. Now she is ghost kryptonite though. So whenever we go anywhere, if it's haunted, and she's in the room, nothing will happen. Absolutely nothing. But she purposely stays outside sometimes. Um, we recently went to the May Stringer house up in Brooksville. If you haven't been there, it's one of the most haunted locations in the world. And it's just north of Tampa Bay. And um, mm. there are several ghosts known throughout there. And paranormal teams book it years out to do investigations in this place because they get so much evidence there. And when we were there with it, we brought some YouTubers there that were, they were doing a haunted house in the haunted house for Halloween and they were giving us a sneak nice. preview. Uh, so I brought some YouTubers there and, uh, and was giving them a tour of the house. We did the haunted house and then all the actors left. And I was like, let, since I have friends with them, they let me lead them around a little bit more so we could get some actual history in. And we went up to the attic where there is this famous ghost up there called Mr. Nasty. Uh, you know, um, psychics have either called him Gus or Gary. Uh, we know it's a G word, definitely a G word. Uh, but, you know, um, but anyway, I, we were up there and it event, when we had done our earlier tour, 
a doll had fallen over. And so we were kind of just re looking at that and we were talking about it and the attic door just blows open right behind me while they're filming. And there is none of the windows are open in that house. It's all sealed. There's no air conditioner in that house. The door was shut tight. And that video is just amazing. And, and, I, and you can catch, if you catch on YouTube, my face is just, ah, you know, what, what just happened? And <laughs> even I was taken aback by it. And I was like, I, we literally got showed the door by a ghost. <laughs> wow. And um, so with that, I'm like, they're, 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 the two YouTubers were like, yep, time to go. Time to <laughs> <laughs> we're done. <laughs> I mean, what yeah. do you expect from Mr. Nasty, right? Exactly. Uh, right. He, yeah, yeah. He's, he's a jerk. I don't, I don't think, I don't think he's a demon or anything. I think he's just a, he was a jerk in life. He's a jerk in the afterlife. Get out. You know, and uh, probably sick of tourists. Uh, exactly. And um, um, he's like, it's midnight. Get the hell out of here. So what? Get off my lawn. Yeah. What channel? How do I find the video? Who are the YouTubers? If you can. Uh, the YouTubers say. were Tampa J and Chris the girl. They do travel vlogs. Uh, and I think we had another one with us. Aimless Adventures was with us too, but he didn't catch it on film, but those two did. And, uh, wow. they do travel vlogs. They go to a lot of conventions and stuff like that, but they also do, uh, I've been taking, I took them to Casadega. We went to the devil's chair. And so, so I've been helping them do some legend tripping. They, they become good friends. So. That is so cool. That's super. I just popped I, it open in a tab. I want to check that out. Later. Uh, yeah. It sounds like a lot If you of look fun. up Tampa J may stringer m-a-y stringer you'll see it so and i and i, I found the chris the girl channel and the tampa j one two separate yeah. they, so they all filmed separately and aimless they, they were separate and now they're dating and they moved in together so now it's become a thing and they're, you know so but they get two different versions of everything so it's very cool so yeah it seems like if you want to get in a relationship you do let you know legend tripping yes. or paranormal research or or uh, legend or folklore research together Ooh, right right is that, that the thing yeah well it's, the thunder just confirmed that there so <laughs> yeah right that's what that that's is. a heck yeah. of a report um so we've got like nine minutes left oh. um mason do you have a question and then i've got like two i wonder if i wonder if we have one of the same ones because it's a question that uh you've been asking that I really want to know from Mark, but I also don't know because you've shared so many. Do you have a favorite, like, local legend? That was the question, and then there's an alternate if you want to uh, to go this route. A favorite legend, a question you wish that we had asked that we hadn't thought of yet, and then I want to ask a follow-up question after that okay, or my, those. Okay, my favorite legend, I love my bench leg because he's, you know, he is, he is family, but... Yeah. Um, and I love that we discovered so much about mini lightning and mini lights and all that. Um, yeah. But I got to say, my favorite is there's a ghost of a place in Clearwater um, that the place is no longer there. And it was this, um, it was called Boatyard Village. And it was built to look like a turn of the century fishing village. But it was built in the 1970s over swamp. And uh, it's now, um, and, and, and it had a cool restaurants and some other things like that. Um, but it was never a big, it didn't pop, right? It was just one of those. It just kind of, yeah. but they had a theater there and they would do dinner theater shows. And it was kind of the, where old TV stars went to die. They would do dinner theater shows. there, <laughs> retiring to Florida. And, um, yeah. Oh, and famously there was a ghost in this theater and it was this 
Victorian lady in white, classic theater ghost, with a parasol, and she would walk across the stage at random times. Now, uh, probably the most famous time was Bill Daly, the guy who played Major Healy on I Dream of Jeannie, and uh, an old Bob Newhart show character actor. He was there doing some show, and she walks across the stage, and he's like, you know, during a matinee, and he's like, He's like, lady, this is guys and dolls. What the heck are you doing in that outfit? <laughs> and then she vanishes before his eyes. And he's like, well, can't top that. <laughs> you know, ladies and gentlemen, we're out. And uh, and uh, so that's when it got into the paper and it started, people started talking about it. And then another show, she came out on stage and vanished in front of the entire audience. So it was big to do. Well, the theater starts closing. Nobody's talking about the ghost much anymore. They they tried running a haunted house there. Dr. Paul Bearer, our local horror host, uh, he he hosted one there. And they joked about the ghost being the extra that they didn't have to pay and all that. But eventually, Boardwalk, uh, it, it burned down a lot of it. And they wound up having to just destroy it. And now it's part of the land. The Coast Guard and the St. Pete Clearwater Airport bought it. And it's just swampland now. Nature has reclaimed it all. They bulldozed it, and there is nothing left mm. of it. And we thought that would be the end of our ghost. But people kayaking in the area or out boating in the area suddenly see this lady in white walking among the mangroves in the swamp. You know, interesting. And, and in a, with a parasol. And they don't know the story and they start reporting it. And I started wow. getting emails about it. And it's like, what? You know, she's still there? But there's no reason for it. The theater never did a Victorian show. There was never any, it was swamp before, it's swamp now. You know, uh, you know, where where did she come from? What you know, what was she attached to and why is she there? Again, something we don't know. You know, future something we hope in the future we do. But I love her because she's still there. Even though the ghost, the place she haunts isn't, but she's still there. Well, maybe she was originally haunting a swamp, so maybe this is actually back to normal, and the stage was yeah, just happenstance. Yeah. <laughs> there could be a, a boat crash or something we don't know about. I keep hoping that I'm going to open up a book, and there's going to be that newspaper article tucked in that I need. <laughs> yeah, so. you get a pamphlet for like cruise on the yes, through the mangroves. Yes. <laughs> the question I wish you'd asked. Um, yeah. that's that's a trick. I never heard that before, so I like that. I've been on a lot of radio shows and. Never been asked that. I would say uh, the question I wish you'd asked would be, um, have you ever seen something that changed your mind? Oh, that's a, that's great, a great question. Yeah, that's a great question. I'm very glad you asked. Mark? Yes, I'm, I'm <laughs> glad I asked myself that. So good question, Mark. Thanks, Mark. It's all good. Um, I'll say the there was thing that I was convinced was supernatural. And I was, I've, I'm like, this is it. This is the, this is the Holy grail. We have evidence. We have the thing. And it was a, it is literally a full body apparition in a picture in St. Augustine's, uh, Tolomato cemetery of a ghostly bride. And I was convinced Oh my gosh, we got it. And it was and it was mm -hmm. see-through, translucent, everything you expect from a ghostly right. vision. And you could even see like details of her under her clothing that was like, okay, that's a little naughty, but that's even better because shows that this couldn't, you know, a hoax wouldn't do this. 
And um, I took it to one of my great friends, uh, Al Goingback, who is my, he's a seminal uh, medicine man and also a Bram Stoker winning author. He writes for DC Comics, Marvel Comics. He's incredible. How did you come across this photo? I don't think you said. Oh, uh, we had we had taken it. Oh, a you had taken it? Us, a couple of people took the photos and it came out on both of them. So this was Ooh. incredible. And um, so Owl um, is looking at the picture and he starts laughing. And I'm like, what? And he's like, well, I've seen her there and uh, and his picture is completely different and it's much more terrifying. And I'm like, so what do you think this is? And he's like, oh, it's it's a reflection. And I'm like, what? And he's like, we're going to St. Augustine in a couple of weeks. Meet me there and we'll... And so we arranged to meet him. We went out to Tolmato. We looked at the exact same place and we're taking the photo and, and I'm looking at it and it's a reflection of the window of the building next to it, which is a Airbnb or it was a bed and breakfast at the time. And there's a little bit of a screen hanging up there in this tree branch to keep bugs out. And it was this reflection. And so then I'm like, Oh no, and then not a minute later, a lady opens the curtain to that bed and breakfast and she's wearing a white veil. It's her honeymoon and she's in lingerie and has no idea that we're standing there taking a picture. <laughs> oh, no. So there's just a happy honeymoon Airbnb. <laughs> so I apparently got a photo of some lady on her wedding night. Um, but Al was able to reproduce the effect. And again... Ne- you know, never would have known. And he's just, he was a genius and spotted it. So, and, uh, but he had wow. done the same thing so cool. going back, looking for the original ghost that he had, a, a has a pretty convincing photo of that is not a reflection. Uh, but, um, so, but that totally changed my mind on, Oh, I was going to be millionaire famous and show this, uh, show this photo right. on all the ghost shows. <laughs> Especially getting two of them, which makes sense because it was a reflection, yeah. but like, oh, holy smoke, right. holy Christmas. Like, what? A- yeah, it was just, it was a you know, perfect storm of craziness. So, yeah. Yeah, that's a great story. There you go. Last question then. I mean, you do a ton of work with this and all the writing and the, uh, you know, touring that you kind of do as you go support books or go to these conventions and helping other people and all that. That sounds like a, full-time job and people would might assume that that is a full-time job but you actually have another side of you that's working in corporate america for a security vendor how do you how do you manage all of that it's it is it's working two full-time jobs and it, it, and yeah. um you know th- thankfully my kids are all grown um and uh you know no longer you know in the house so uh it's um you know that you, you a little more free time but this is my passion this is, this has become yeah. my love. So it's, you know, I, I read or write, uh, an hour every night and then, and then I, you know, answer when I'm not working on the next project, I'm thinking two projects ahead and, um, you know, and then we're also promoting constantly what we had just done. So, and, and people who think, oh, you're, you're, you know, you, you were on travel channel, you're on discovery channel. You must be, I was like, you know, the curse of Robert, the doll documentary, I got, $500 and a trip to Key West for two days in an Airbnb and free dinner. So I can't argue that, you know, <laughs> but, uh, right. 
the ancient aliens thing. I didn't see a dime for that. I got paid to do an interview with a German show a couple years before for a couple hundred bucks. And, and they used that footage on that because they sold it to that. So, you know, it, ah. that's the thing with documentaries and these reality TV shows, reality TV shows, they're, they're nonfiction. So you don't get royalties. So none of those guys are the reruns are the only people making the money is the companies that are running them. So, wow. I actually didn't know that royalties didn't apply to works of nonfiction. Is that, that's a nope. thing? Yep. That's Holy smokes. So, yeah. Well, it's also, you're not considered an actor. So right. there's not yeah, like all there's, the, uh, and, the points and for that Robert, come with that. For Curse of Robert, I didn't act. I was just telling the stories I had heard and, right. you know, and, and things like that. And they used a lot of my research for, you know, some of the stories that they reenacted. Now the actors in that, the reenactors, guess what? They still don't get royalties because it's mm, reenactment. Really? It's, 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 you know, things it's like that. So that's how they get wow. away with it. But, uh, you know, that's the business of that. But, yeah, no, it's, you know, I, you know, you, you know, it, you can make a little bit of money doing this. So people are like, oh, you're in it for the money. I'm in it to save the stories and to save the folklore. I, it's nice that I can pay to go to all these places by doing this. Every dime we make pretty much right. goes into the next trip and all that. So, so it's a lot that of makes total sense. your passion fueling your passion. Yeah. It's nice when the conventions invite you and, you know, or, or you know, yeah. now that the discovery channel thing hit, yes, I got to conventions out of state that I normally would have had to pay to be at and all that. So, Hey, that's great. And that's, that's what it really does. So that's cool. But you know, you still got to have health insurance and that's what the day jobs were. That is super cool. I think that's a good place to end unless Mason, you have any last tidbits that you want to make sure we milk out? No, I feel like we should do a whole mini. So that's just stories from Mark. I I'm happy to jump back on anytime. Thanks so much for listening. And thank you to Mark Muncie for spending time with us. Check out our show notes for more information about Mark and his work. We've got links to his books, his podcast, Eerie Travels, and a lot more. If you have any questions, feedback, ideas for future episodes, or really anything else, you can reach us at hello at eighthlayermedia.com. If you like information about sponsoring an episode, a few episodes, or an entire season, hit us up. Digital Folklore is created and produced by 8th Layer Media and is distributed by Realm. That's all for now. Thanks for listening. Have you ever watched a futuristic sci-fi movie and wondered, but wait, could any of this really happen? And will I live long enough to see it? That's what our show Hypothetical is about. I'm Carrie Bechet, and on this podcast, we ask what-if questions about the future. Like, what if we could read minds? What if the world's digital data was erased all at once? What would happen if the Yellowstone supervolcano erupted? Then we explore that question two ways, through speculative science fiction and through dialogue with brilliant scientists. The result is a genre-bending narrative that's interwoven with real facts provided by literal geniuses. And, spoiler alert, a lot of the science fiction out there, it's not nearly as far-fetched as you might think. Come time travel with me into the future on Hypothetical. New episodes on Tuesdays available on all your favorite podcast apps. Just search Hypothetical. That's H-Y-P-E-R-T-H-E-T-I-C-A-L.